Chapter One of On Respiration in Parva Naturalia by Aristotle, translated by William Alexander Hammond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter One. A few of the earlier physicists have treated the subject of respiration but in regard to the purpose which it subserves in the animal organism some of them have given no explanation whatever and others although they have discussed it have been wrong in their statements and have lacked empirical knowledge of the facts furthermore they declare that all animals respire this however is untrue it will be necessary therefore to return to these points in order that we be not thought to make unfounded charges against writers who are no longer living it is plain that all animals with lungs breathe but amongst these the animals that have a spongy anemic lung need respiration less than the others consequently they can remain owing to their physical strength a considerable time under water all oviparous animals have a spongy lung as is the case in frogs again water tortoises and land tortoises can remain a long time under water in these animals the lung has little heat because it has little blood consequently when it has been once inflated it affects refrigeration by its motion and enables the animal to continue a long time under water without breathing even in these cases however when the animal is forced to hold its breath too long it is suffocated for none of these animals can inhale water as fishes do all animals on the other hand whose lung is full of blood have greater need of respiration because of their greater heat as to the animals that have no lung at all they have no respiration at all chapter two democritus of abdera and certain other writers on the subject of respiration have not spoken definitely about the animals last named but they appear to assert that all animals breathe anaxagoras however and diogenes make the statement that all animals respire and they say that fishes and oysters are endowed with a sort of respiration anaxagoras declares that when fishes discharge water through their gills they inhale the air that is developed in the mouth for a vacuum does not exist and so respire diogenes on the other hand says that when fishes discharge water through their gills they inhale air by the action of the vacuum formed in the mouth out of the water which surrounds the mouth on the theory that water contains air these views however are untenable for in the first place they leave out of account half of the truth because their entire statement refers only to one aspect of the case for by respiration one understands partly inspiration and partly expiration and they have nothing to say in explanation of how the latter takes place in lungless animals and it is impossible for them to give any explanation for when inspiration takes place expiration must also follow by the same channel as that employed in inspiration and these two things must succeed each other in constant alternation the consequence is that exhalation must take place at the same moment that water is being received into the mouth and in that case the one must impede the other by meeting 
secondly if they exhale by the mouth or gills at the moment when they discharge water the consequence will be that inspiration and expiration will be simultaneous and according to the above assertion this is the moment in which animals inspire but simultaneous inspiration and expiration is an impossibility consequently if it is true that respiration involves both inspiration and expiration and if it is further true that aquatic animals are not capable of expiration it is clear that they are also incapable of respiration chapter three again the assertion that they inhale air from the mouth or from the water through the mouth is impossible for aquatic animals have no windpipe because they have no lung but the stomach is immediately adjacent to the mouth and consequently the stomach would necessarily be the organ of inspiration but if this were true here the stomach would have this power in other animals also as a matter of fact it does not have this power further if aquatic animals were removed from the water they would then clearly show this capacity to respire but they do not show it furthermore we observe in those animals that respire and inhale air a certain movement in the organ of inhalation this is not observable in fishes they appear to move no organ about the stomach other than the gills whether they are in the water or are thrown gasping on the dry shore again when any respiring animal dies from suffocation in the water its breath as it forcibly leaves the body is formed into bubbles as one sees in the case of tortoises or frogs or other animals of this sort when they are forcibly drowned with fishes however this is not the case whatever method one may use because they contain no inhaled air according to the explanation of respiration above mentioned it would be possible also for men to respire when in water for if fish inhale air from water by means of their mouth why should not men and other animals do the same thing they should inhale air from the mouth quite as much as fishes if the latter have this power the former should have it also but as this is not true in the one case it evidently does not hold good in the other furthermore if fishes respire why is it that we see them die in the air and gasp as if suffocated it is not owing to lack of food the explanation given by diogenes is foolish he says that fishes when in the air inhale too much air and this is why they die whereas in the water they inhale a moderate amount but this should then be possible for land animals also in point of fact no land animal is suffocated by excessive inhalation further if all animals respire insects must evidently respire also many of them however seem to live when they are divided not only when divided into two parts but into several as in the case of the centipedes how or by what organ is it possible for these parts to breathe the chief cause of the error of these writers was their ignorance of the internal organs and also the fact that they did not grasp the truth of design in nature for by asking to what end animals are endowed with respiration and by making a test of their theory on the organs themselves as e g on the gills and lungs they would soon have discovered the real explanation chapter four 
democritus makes the statement it is true that respiration produces certain effects in the respiring animal viz it prevents the soul from being expelled from the body he by no means says however that nature in creating this function did so with this end in view for he is on the whole like the other physicists and makes no application of any such causality he maintains that the soul and heat have one and the same nature viz they are elemental spherical atoms consequently when these are compressed by the force of the surrounding air inhalation comes to their assistance for in the air there is a large number of the atoms which he calls mind and soul in the act of inhalation then and along with the entrance of the air these atoms also enter and by counteracting the pressure prevent the expulsion of the soul that resides in the animal body it is for this reason that life and death depend upon inspiration and expiration for when the surrounding medium by its pressure gains control and the outer air is no longer able to enter and counteract this control respiration in the animal becomes impossible and death ensues for by death one means the departure of these physical atoms from the body due to expulsion by the surrounding medium the reason however why death necessarily comes at all to every animal and why it does not come at any chance period but in the course of nature only in old age a violent death is contrary to nature he has not in the least explained and yet because this phenomenon occurs evidently at one period and not at another it behoved him to explain whether it is due to an external or to an internal cause further he has not a word to say regarding the origin of respiration whether its cause is external or internal and yet it is evidently not the external mind that comes to the rescue here but the principle of respiration and of respiratory movement is due to an internal cause and we are not to suppose that the force of the surrounding medium is any explanation it is also absurd to think that the surrounding medium has at once the effect of extinguishing by compression and on its entrance the opposite effect the foregoing in content and manner of statement conforms closely to the theory of democritus if one is to regard as true what was said a while ago viz that not all animals respire then we must regard the democritian explanation of death as not universally applicable but only to those cases where animals breathe but even to these cases it does not well apply as is evident from facts observed by all of us for in warm weather when we are more than usually heated we have greater need of respiration and we all breathe more rapidly when however our environment is cool and contracts and chills the body we hold our breath this is the very moment however that the air from without should enter and prevent the soul's expulsion in point of fact it is the opposite that takes place for when excessive heat is accumulated owing to its not being exhaled that is the moment we need respiration and inhalation is necessary to this the truth is men breathe rapidly when they are hot because respiration has a cooling effect at the very moment when according to the theory of democritus they would be to use a proverb quote, adding fire to fire End of chapter four
recording in memory of mitchell edwards